Welcome to the Monroe Church of Christ podcast. I'm Derek Glover, preacher of the Monroe Church of Christ in Monroe, Wisconsin, and I want to thank you for joining us. I hope that you'll subscribe to our podcast, leave a comment or a review on iTunes, and share it with a friend, family member, co-worker, or someone that you think would be interested to know more about our Savior, Jesus Christ. We've been in the middle of a series, uh, and we're still in the middle of that series, but a few weeks ago we began a discussion about what makes us different. What makes us different um, as a church, and even as Christians? And we began with a very broad view, discussing the idea that we're not to be conformed to this world. And we kind of zoomed in a little closer, and we talked about what makes us different as Christians, just in general, the faith in Christ that is different from the rest of the world and different from the rest of the religious world. Last week, we zoomed in a little closer, and we talked about our faith tradition, the churches of Christ, and a little bit about our history, because we've got to know where we came from to know where we're going and to know who we are even today. So we talked a little bit about that history and, and how the movement... Uh, in in the United States, known as the Restoration Movement from the early 1800s, gave rise to what we are today and where that came from and what it looked like. And it may look a little different than what we realize sometimes. If you're familiar with Churches of Christ, you might be surprised to learn that some of the the people that uh, helped to, to start that movement had some ideas that were even different than what we practice today. So we looked at our history. We continue these next few weeks, we're going to talk about some specific things that make us different as a church body. And we're going to be talking specifically about the Monroe Church of Christ, because we can't know what everybody does everywhere, but they tend to be things in general that are consistent between the churches of Christ. Now, why do we want to talk about what makes us different as the churches of Christ? Well, it's not to reinforce a brand name. Uh, It's not to reinforce that we are uh, some some other thing, some other entity or denomination. We don't want to celebrate things that divide us. And we don't want to promote them as things that make us better. Uh, it's not that these things are what make us uh, more acceptable to God. It's not that we want to promote them as things that are more true. Um, but really what we want, and we don't even want to ask why do we do what we do. This is not one of those kind of series. We're not going to explore why we do what we do. We'll answer some of that, but, but it's really not to try and convince anyone to be like us. It's to look at what are some defining characteristics, and in doing so, rediscover the roots of those things, both in Scripture and in tradition, that have gotten us to where we are today. And ultimately, the reason we want to do that is to celebrate it. We want to celebrate uh, what makes us unique because the origins of some of those things that make us unique are very important to carrying forward and to moving forward as a movement and as a church. And so we want to celebrate those things. I think it's pretty easy to see that our history is a difficult one. The history of our movement, the history of our faith tradition is difficult. Though it started as a unity movement to fellowship all believers, it has at times produced division. There are many, many congregations and many with many, many names that can trace their heritage back to Thomas Campbell, uh, Alexander Campbell, and Barton Stone, and others. 
division has been a part of our history. Some kind of ugly teachings and ugly attitudes have been a part of our history. So we don't want to sugarcoat who we are, and we don't want to church bash either. What we want to do is look at what makes us unique and celebrate it and look at the roots of that uniqueness and celebrate it and use that understanding to restore further who we are and who we intend to be. And in doing so, perhaps we can be more united with one another and with our brethren. So we want to acknowledge the things that contribute to our division, but we also want to celebrate the things that make us unique. And today we're going to be talking about one very fundamental thing that is unique about the churches of Christ, and that is our autonomy. Autonomy just means self-governance. It, is, it means that we don't have a, a uh, association in a formal way with any other church. We don't have formal ties or governance with any other body. And there's some good things about that. There's some challenging things about that. What's most challenging right up front is to say, well, how can that be? Because it doesn't feel that way all the time. And you're right. Over time, we have begun to establish formal ties and maybe informal but pretty close ties with others who share our name. And this is one of the great challenges that we have because when we look back at our history and see the writings of Thomas Campbell that we talked about last week, when we look at Alexander and uh, Campbell and Barton Stone and others, we see that they did not have this attitude or this desire to build uh, a central authority that governed multiple congregations. In fact, when we look at Scripture, we don't see that pattern either. Uh, they sought to have independent congregations. You'll notice uh, when you see Church of Christ in most places, uh, the, the word church is not capitalized. This is kind of a funny little piece of our history, but it's really, it's been that way, and it reflects the original meaning of that phrase, which is to include all believers universally, much like the, Catholic, the word Catholic in the Apostles' Creed is not capitalized, or in the Nicene Creed is not capitalized, because it was meant in the original definition to refer to the universal church, all believers everywhere. And I like that. I love that part of our history. I love that example that it gives, but I don't know that we always practice that way. But it is an important component of what makes us unique. There's no governing body. There's no board of directors. There's, there's no power that says what we have to do or what we should do. There is only our understanding of Scripture and our seeking after it. So we have to be careful that we don't um, harm that history and deny that heritage by, by holding informal close ties with, uh, with other congregations in a governing sort of way. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Let's look at the scriptural basis for how this works. We, we of course, have our history uh, with the Campbells, with the Restoration Movement. We also have New Testament example. Look at Acts chapter 14. In, in chapter 14, in verse 19, we see that Paul is dragged out of the city and he is stoned and, and left for dead, but he gets up and, and he moves on, and they travel, and, and in verse 21 it says, they preached the gospel to that city, and it made many disciples, after they'd done that, they returned to Lystra, and to Iconium, and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Now look at verse 23. 
when they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord and to whom they believed. And then what did they do? They moved on. Paul did not establish churches and then rule over them. No one in the uh, early scriptures in Acts did that. When they established churches, they moved on. We see Paul in his correspondence with Timothy in Ephesus. Now, that's a church that he helped start there, and he left Timothy there and said, you need to leave this congregation. Paul, in his letters, writes to many, many congregations, many churches in different cities, and he, he addresses problems that they're having the Gnostics in Ephesus, the worldliness and the false teaching in Corinth. He addresses these things, and he doesn't share those things with the other churches. Why do we read Paul's letters and see him dealing with one issue there, but he doesn't go to the other church and tell them the same thing? Sometimes he tells them opposite things and different things because he's writing specifically for them. Now, we learn things from it. It's important to to know Paul's writing and to learn from it, to be guided by it. It's inspired word, no doubt. But there is a clear undercurrent of autonomy running through those writings. He's helping them, guiding them, leading them, teaching them, getting them on the right track, but he's leaving it to their leaders to do what they need to do. We also see that Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 3, he he writes to Corinth, and he's been taking up a collection. He's been traveling around taking up collection, for the brethren in Jerusalem. And so he says, when I get there, this is chapter 16, verse 3 of 1 Corinthians, he says, when I get there, you pick someone, and I'll send them to take the funds to Jerusalem. Paul doesn't say, I'm going to come collect your money and take it. He says, I'm going to have someone there, I'm going to send them. You pick, because it's your money. It's your gift, and you need to be in control of it. Paul respects and teaches the autonomy of the congregation. This is where we draw this tradition from. This is where part of where we, we get it. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 2, Peter says that they should appoint elders to oversee and shepherd the flock among you, not by compulsion, but voluntarily in accordance with the will of God, according to God's will, that they were to have leadership. Uh, now, this isn't a lesson about elders. Uh, not every congregation has them. Uh, the principle of eldership in Scripture is that they would appoint people among them who would lead appropriately and keep uh, care for the spiritual needs of the body, who would be responsible for making sure that they were fed spiritually and that they would grow and be strengthened and to carry out the evangelism of the congregation and to help to, to, to encourage such things. So, Let's not get hung up on elders right now because not everybody has them. I understand that. That's fine. But there was to be leadership, and it was to be localized, and it was to be autonomous. So in these areas, both in our history and throughout Scripture, we see that autonomy is the pattern. We see that autonomy has so many great blessings. First of all, it gives us freedom, and that's a great thing. It's a scary word, okay? Freedom, independence, liberty. Those are scary things when we read them in Scripture because we have become accustomed to, we have a way of doing things. And when we say freedom and and liberty, uh, my goodness, well, that just means we could do anything. Well, not exactly, but also it's nice that a congregation in North Carolina 
isn't bound to how they do things based on a congregation here in Monroe, Wisconsin. We're different people in different places with different needs. It's a blessing to have that freedom. And even though that scares us because we've become accustomed to our faith tradition and our practice, it actually goes back very deep into our history of our movement, and they got it from back in the scriptures and the example that was presented there, that the congregation is responsible for the work locally, and they are not bound to the, to the decisions of, of others because that could corrupt us very quickly. So it's a beautiful thing that we have such freedom and we have flexibility. We have the flexibility to make the decisions that we need to make for ourselves, where we are, our congregation, in our culture, and in our, our community as we see fit, according, of course, to the will of God, but according to the scripture as we understand and apply it, not to the interpretation of someone else. You don't want to give that freedom up. Paul even says that. Don't give that freedom up. Don't surrender it to someone else telling you what to do. You own your relationship with God and your exercise of your fellowship and your faith. The other blessing of autonomy is it, it does combat the tendency to have brand names. Uh, brand names are a dangerous thing because eventually we become subservient to the brand and not to what it is that we offer. This happens throughout religion. It has happened throughout religion. It is a danger and a threat to us in the churches of Christ that we're trying to combat. We talked about our history last week. You remember Daniel Sommer during the Civil War, around the time of the Civil War, wrote the address and declaration to say, I'm undoing what Thomas Campbell did. It's no longer the fellowship of all believers. No, nope, you have to do it the way that we have decided it should be done. Otherwise, you're not a part of our body. Well, that's the establishment of their own kingdom. That's not the fellowship with the full kingdom. And that was a damaging thing, and it created a lot of dangerous ripples and division and separation. It even did so amongst families. Uh, Daniel Sommer, even Foy Wallace, people uh, of, of, of notoriety in our movement, they actually quit speaking to members of their own family for long periods of time. It was tragic, tragic division that came from the destruction of autonomy, the breaking down of autonomy to say that we have it right and you have to do it the way we're doing it or we can't fellowship you. Is it important to seek after truth? Absolutely. But is it important to have some grace and some flexibility in allowing our brethren to understand God's word in the way that is meaningful to them where they are? Certainly it is. Certainly it has far more blessings than it has dangers because it allows us freedom, flexibility, and it helps us escape from brand name Christianity. When people see the word Church of Christ on the building, I want them to know that that means we are simply a group of Christians seeking to serve the Lord the best we can, and that we welcome everyone to be a part of that. And we want to engage with the rest of our community, including the communities of faith that are here in Monroe. Because even though we might disagree, even though there may be groups here that don't have the autonomy we have. That's okay too. Because how are they going to understand the blessings of what makes us different if we can't engage with them? Autonomy does have its downsides. And these are the things that kind of pull us 
toward trying to, and it seems to be the inertia of our culture and of our humanity that we want to try and pull together and say, well, we've got to define some things. We've got to draw some lines. We've got to decide who we are. We've got to break free of that thinking because autonomy can lead to greater division simply in the fact that we might practice different things in different places. That's that's some division that can take place, but even trying to combat that, drawing the lines, produces more division. And you say, well, if we're all free to kind of make some choices within the parameters of God's word, and if we're all free to understand this word, maybe even in different ways, boy, that 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 creates division. Some might argue that that autonomy itself creates division. Well, it does. I say it only creates differences. Division is a matter of the heart. Division is an attitude. And it only creates division if we are chasing after a brand name. If we are chasing after uh, uniformity, then yes, autonomy does produce division. But if we're chasing after unity and after independence from one another and with one another, then autonomy simply creates differences. But if our heart is united, then we can have unity in spite of those differences and even teaching about those differences and maybe learning something from one another. But if we hope to influence the world and show them a better way that maybe we think we've found or a truer way that we think we've found, we're going to have to be in touch with those people in order to do it. God's body is not divided. It can't be. Jesus himself prayed for unity. The apostles sought after unity. The writers of the New Testament sought after unity. It's a matter of how we define unity. Do we define it as conformity to one another, or do we define it as a matter of the heart that welcomes and accepts in spite of difference? That's the question at the heart of autonomy. And the biggest thing that is defeating of autonomy is fear. We are afraid to let go and leave some things open-ended because what would happen then? Don't you think God is bigger than your fear? Don't you think God is bigger than our differences? Don't you think God is bigger than interpreting, in, interpreting parts of Scripture differently? Of course He is. And if we pray and we trust Him and we seek to understand one another, and if we can restore and, and strengthen this concept of autonomy, I think will make a difference in the world and particularly amongst Christians. Do I like the name that we have? There's been conversations that have taken place in churches for a long time, uh, and even in this church at one time. Should we have the name Church of Christ on our door? Has a time come when that has become too much of a brand name and maybe it doesn't communicate what we want it to communicate or maybe a church has, has kind of wandered away from what the mainstream churches of Christ are practicing. People say, well, they ought to change their name because they're confusing people. Well, I don't believe so. I don't believe in changing that name. I'm not ashamed of that name. I'm proud of it, not because it's the right name or a brand name or Romans 16, 16. No, I'm proud of that name because of its history, because it reminds us of a movement that called for something beyond branding ourselves and building kingdoms to ourselves in the form of a denominational structure and authority. No, I'm, I'm for that name because I believe in that history and I want to restore that history.
There's a warning in Matthew chapter 15, verse 9. He warns the Pharisees, Jesus does, condemns them, in fact, for teaching as though it were God's law, the doctrines of men. If we're to fight the doctrines of men, if we're to fight the things that are created by man, then we must have the freedom to pursue what God has created and to restore it in its fullness, welcoming one another, having a heart of unity and maintaining relationships with one another in spite of our differences. Autonomy allows us to do that. It allows us to seek after that and to reach for it. And I want to celebrate that. In the coming weeks, we'll talk about a couple of other items, a couple of other things that make us unique, things that our movement actually helped to restore and reestablish and make a part of the Christian environment and landscape that we see today, particularly in the United States. Again, they're not to say that we've got it right or it's better. It's, it's things that have been restored that are beneficial to Christians, and we're going to talk about them. We're going to talk about the water, baptism. That wasn't a part of most church uh, affiliations in most church cultures um, prior to this movement. But it, it has been restored as a fundamental part of most Christian churches. And we're going to talk about the communion, the table. We're going to talk about how we welcome people to it. And we don't divide people. We don't separate. We don't close off. But all are welcome to join in it. And we're going to celebrate that right now, actually. We're going to have another uh, song. And then we're going to partake of this, these emblems, the bread and the cup together. We're going to do that with a spirit of unity and we're going to welcome everyone who has the ability to and who wishes to and who sees fit to to join in that with us. Another song and then we'll partake of the Lord's Supper together. Thank you for joining us for the Monroe Church of Christ podcast. We hope that you have found today's message to be uplifting, inspirational, and encouraging. Most of all, we hope that it helps you along your spiritual journey. If you have any questions or comments or would like to drop us a line, you can do so at MonroeWICOC at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you, and we look forward to you joining us next week.